All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 94. Jesus, man, 94 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for uh, Wednesday, March, May, God, May 16th, 2018. We are etching ever so closer to episode 100. That's insane, 100 of these things. It is, and we, we got something very special planned for episode 100. And Mike is lying to you because we don't... <laughs> have anything planned as of right now <laughs> I, th- I i do oh do you uh, it's uh w- we will uh talk about our favorite episodes favorite segments uh from uh each season oh oh that's right yeah that that was a thing we were gonna do it's a top 10 top 15 type deal so it'll be just ultra mega huge podcast you sound very, you uh, sound it very makes excited sense because it's one. It's what it's the one hundredth episode, you know. With the well, I think there was a one hundredth episode special for Unsolved Mysteries or something or or something, and it was like over two hours. So I just wish we could like I don't know bring like Robert Stack back from the grave or something for the one hundredth episode. Like, yeah, that would be great. Summon him or something like get, that. Get get another uh, interview lined up or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did a uh, Robert Stack interview on Patreon where we just anyway it was that was I did my best Robert Stack impression. It was sad, and then he gave up, and then I kind of <laughs> gave up. If you want to check that out, you can you can support us and, and listen to that. Uh, it's patreoncom slash mysteries uh, How you doing, Mike? How you been, buddy? Doing, I'm doing fine. Uh... Just uh, dealing with the lack of AC because our AC finally kicked the bucket, so we're waiting for the insurance to approve everything. Uh, so there's no AC in here. Thankfully, today wasn't as hot as it was the past couple of days, so it, it's all right right God. now. Dude, not but, having AC uh, in Florida is like a death sentence. Yeah, yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it's similar to not having AC in uh, Oklahoma City. Because I'm, I lived in Oklahoma City and it had the humid heat, and it was so bad day day after day that in the summer that I'd be totally butt naked and <laughs> still be sweating my balls off, not getting cool. And, and this was a piece of shit house that had a hole in the wall that like creatures of all kinds could just run right into the house, and. It had electricity and wiring that was from the twenties, so oh, I couldn't use any of like a fan or my. It, when it gets really cold, I couldn't use a heater that I bought because it would set off the breakers. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, my house was the house I'm living in now was like that. Uh, it had old. Uh, it had like an old circuit breaker and shit. Um, and I could not like vacuum my house and have the AC on at the same time, or like <laughs> I couldn't use my toaster oven in the microwave at the same time. It would always short it out. But thankfully, uh, I bitched to the rent people and uh, the landlord or the the property company, and uh, they did not want to shell out the money to fix any of this shit. But they finally did it. Like you know, with just dragging their feet, they finally got people out here and fixed it. And it was a big expense that made me glad I wasn't a homeowner in that instance, even though I would, yeah. I would love to 
own this house uh, and know that I can stay here as long as I need to. But, um, you know, when shit like that happens and, and being a homeowner like that's got to suck, you know, because it's like it's so hard to get ahead in the world just in general, you know, without car problems coming out of yeah. nowhere and bills and all that shit. But then to have like house stuff happen, man. Oh God, that's the well, worst. Well, yeah, my parents they had to pay a lot of money a couple years ago to fix our floor in the bathroom because the ice machine portion in our fridge uh, broke and just started leaking water everywhere. So that cost a significant amount of money, and because of that, we really had a very uh, tight Christmas. <laughs> like there wasn't really a lot of gifts that were given or, or anything like that. Like our Christmas budget for that year was just totally done. Oh, I, after, I you know, dude, the, I've reached the point the, in adulthood where my Christmases are absolutely like gone as far as my parents giving me stuff. Um, my brother got married and you know, she started coming over on Christmas and, and so my mom would get her gifts. So that divided the Christmas allotment. And then my brother had a kid and so i have a niece and now christmas is literally all about my niece um at, yeah. at our house and i'm lucky if i get like a a, a pack of boxers <laughs> it's it's really become a dire situation my yeah. christmases i used to so, get like so much shit man it was like but it's cool because like i no, that's what happens when you get older i can pretty much <laughs> buy whatever i want now so exactly so that's the thing you just you just get christmas presents for you like it, it's your christmas well i'm 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 all about like buying gifts you can for... always be happy then because you know exactly what you want so yeah well yeah i'm all about getting shit for other people now like i love buying people gifts on christmas now like it when you get to an adult and you make your own money that's uh -huh. that's when the whole it's better to give than receive that's when that kicks in is when you make your well, own I, money i, I mean I would totally be doing that, too. I just don't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is a podcast about the show Unsolved Mysteries, despite what the last, like, what, probably 10 no, minutes... No, it's not about Christmas. Yeah, it's presents. not... No, it's not about Christmas. How, dude, how weird would it be if I just started... If I just put on Christmas music right now and just started listening to it, like, in the middle of, of May? That would be so weird. I bet... Listen to the Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, the Unsolved version. Mysteries, yeah. Unsolved, oh, unsolved version of Silent Night. You know, there's some. Um, you know, there's some weirdos out there that like get joy from listening to Christmas music year round. I bet at least yeah. one of those people listens to our podcast too. And I just, <laughs> I just want to say to that one person, you are a sick individual. I, I don't know why that got so personal just then, Mike. I, I apologize. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of gifts, we have a nice, wonderful gift for you. Um, whole podcast all about psychics. Oh yeah, this is all about psychics. And it didn't we didn't plan it that way. It just kind of happened mm -hmm. because unlike the podcasts that spend hours of preparation before they actually record and those podcasts probably have more listeners and better reviews for that reason. However, we're not one of those podcasts, so it's kind of like at the last minute, hey, what case you want to talk about this week? Uh now I have this big wheel in my room, like the <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries wheel of cases. It's ginormous. I mean, I had to remove part of the wall. To, and I just spin this big-ass wheel, and it just lands on a case, and that's how I choose mine. And then Mike has, um, like... I have a giant dartboard yeah. that I just throw darts at. 
And yeah, and, and there's like little squares like that that uh, of the people's faces and and the cases yeah. associated with it. And he puts on uh, he drinks a whole bottle of wine, puts on a blindfold, and just throws the dart. <laughs> He's lost a few animals that way, but so, a lot of times it does land on a case, and that's how we both figure out what cases we're going to cover. So the first case we're going to cover is the case of Etta Smith. Uh, and uh, the murder case of Uribe is her last name. I know that for sure, but it's more like about Etta Smith and how her psychic abilities all of a sudden just came out of nowhere and led her to solving the murder case of Melanie Uribe. Yeah, and we we mentioned this case. I think it was like last week or the week before. Yeah. But I forgot all the names of the players involved. But now, you know, we're going to cover it because we mentioned it. It's, it's a good case too. And for anybody wondering out there, Melanie Uribe, total babe. So on December seventeenth, nineteen eighty, Etta Smith was working at an aerospace company in Burbank, California, when a news story triggered a frightening vision. 31-year-old nurse Melanie Uribe had been had not been seen for days, and investigators feared the worst. Etta says her unusual episode began when she started hearing a voice in her head. That's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a red flag. That's that's usually not a good thing. Normally, when that happens, that's like a sign of schizophrenia or a split personality or something. Not a sign of oh, I must be becoming psychic. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why Why would that be your first inclination? I must be becoming psychic. I'm hearing voices in my head that are telling me to do things. That's a very positive outlook on your mental condition, and I applaud you for that. That's like that's like getting OCD one day and just being like, wow, I've become very thorough and clean-oriented. It was a mental thought, but it was as if someone were speaking to me. She's not in the house. And after that thought registered, it was as if I saw a picture. I saw a canyon area. I saw a road. I saw it curving. I saw a dirt path. I saw shrubbery. And I saw white through the shrubbery. I could not clearly see what the white was, but it was something distinctively white. And I thought, well, if what I'm experiencing is a possibility of where this person could be, maybe the white I see is her uniform, knowing that she was a nurse. That would, that would terrify me if all of a sudden I have these flashes of imagery like that. Yeah, again, That'd be scary. it's it's uh, it's a very positive outlook on a uh, what could be a potentially very scary and serious mental illness. You know, yeah, it's I like, wouldn't just be like, oh, huh, hearing voices, seeing images. This is all this is all fine. Uh, the actress does a good job playing Etta, but I have to say, the outfit and and the, her makeup and the way she carries herself it looks like it's a throwback like it's supposed to take place in 1980 but it looks like it takes place in the 40s like or the 50s am i the only one oh yeah that that, that i i always just assumed it took place back in the in that time is is it is that supposed to be in the 80s yeah yeah you're right about that like i always thought that was like <laughs> Like a nineteen like fifties or nineteen forties reenactment because of the dress and and, and uh -huh. the, uh, just the look of everything. Wow, yeah, that was that was. If that's what they were going for, they kind of they kind of failed miserably <laughs> on that. 
maybe they were like, we don't have the money, uh, so let's just reuse the set and the wardrobe. Well, we from, just uh, we, some we, Black Dahlia 50s like segment. We, we <laughs> just did the Black Dahlia segment last week. Let's just reuse all the assets for this, uh, you know, other psychic case or whatever, you know. <laughs> Because I mean, usually you usually you attempt to do something old and it comes out looking new, and that's usually the uh -huh. mistake. But it's rare that you see something that's supposed to be newer, well, new for the time, and it actually like ends up looking old. So they, yeah, that's yeah. kind of weird. So Etta saw the location of the body in her head. For Etta, the vision was so powerful she felt compelled to report it to the police. I couldn't just let it go because I kept wondering if this person needed help. And if their life depended on that help, it would be very wrong of me not to do something. So, retired Los Angeles police detective Lee Ryan says he welcomed Etta's information. I gave her a lot of credibility based on the fact that she came in on, on her own. She indicated her conscience was bothering her, which triggered a response in me that possibly her conscience was bothering her because maybe she knows more than she's telling us. Yeah. I... But then again, maybe she is, in fact, sincere and real. So let's treat her in that light until we find out otherwise. Based on her psychic vision, Etta pinpointed the area in Los Angeles County where she thought the missing nurse might be found, a place called Lopez Canyon. Detective Ryan seemed willing to listen, but Etta worried that the police would not follow up. She decided to investigate on her own, and with her daughter Tina, Etta drove to Lopez Canyon. And when Etta stepped out of her car, she experienced an intense feeling of dread. She was sure that Melanie had been there and that something horrible had happened to her. I kind of take and issue then, with the fact that she had a premonition that something awful happened to Melanie, and, but yet she saw fit to take her daughter along with her that when she she could potentially be discovering like a dead body or something. She's like, yeah, I'll take my daughter. That's cool. You know, she, she should see this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, why, why would you if you thought if you thought you could potentially find a dead body, like, why the hell would you take your daughter along with you? Like, here, honey, this is something you should totally see at a young age. That's not going to screw you up for the rest of your life. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something I noticed when I was like watching it. Totally agree. So then she's quoted here. I felt trauma and I felt scared. It was like an energy that was t like tingling inside of me. I don't think she said like. This is just... She, I don't remember her talking like a valley girl. I felt trauma and like I felt scared. It was like an energy that was like tingling inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a lot more pauses in her speech. Um, that's, that's probably where all the likes came from. It, it, it was probably something like... I sensed... It was like trembling and like you know something like that it probably yeah, yeah. wasn't this fluent valley girl type thing <laughs> so so i felt trauma and i felt scared it was like an energy that was tingling inside of me it was sort of like you feel when you get an adrenaline rush the feelings force Edda to stop to keep searching i, I would have stopped searching but i don't know i'd just be like what the fuck is this this is too weird for me man well, you got the damn Scooby-Doo and the mystery machine over there and one <laughs> one lady, apparently, just wanting to solve, like, murder mysteries and shit. Yeah, it's a whole new version of Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the Murder, She Wrote reboot where now, now the character is, uh, she's psychic. So, the feelings forced her to keep searching, and soon she spotted some fresh tire tracks. 
I stopped, and for reasons unknown to me, I wanted to look at these tire marks, and I wanted to put my hands in them. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> That's totally normal. You just imagine you're doing run, going on a jog in that area, and then you just see this old lady, this older lady, just put her hands in some tire tracks. <laughs> like, All right. Yeah, I would. I would pretty. I'd be pretty certain that I was like in the south at that point. It's like, well, that's typical here, you know. <laughs> People trying to solve murders with their psychic ability, their newfound psychic abilities. When we got back into the van. So actually, uh, Etta said that she got the feeling from the tracks that the missing woman had been there. And when we got back into the van, the only thing I could think about is, I want to leave here. I don't want to be here anymore. And further down the canyon, Etta stopped again when Tina saw something unusual in the brush. Etta says it was a body. The only thing I could truly distinguish and know what this was was that she had on white nurse's shoes. Etta quickly contacted the police. An autopsy determined that the body was indeed Melanie Uribe. She had been robbed, raped, and beaten to death. I mean, damn, like, it's overkill, for sure. I mean, it, not, not only you just rob her, I mean, that's bad enough. You're going to rape her, too, and then kill her? It's just like, I mean, that's pretty typical. I mean, if they're going to go and do all that, you know, I mean, they usually Well, just... I mean, there's other cases where it's just it's just a robbery. Yeah. There's none of the rape and the beating to death thing. You just get mugged and maybe beat, but... Not to death. So that evening, Etta was summoned to the police station. She was questioned by two detectives she'd never seen before. And Etta's quoted here again, They wanted me to explain to them how the whole thing had unfolded. And that seemed very normal to me. But after I felt that I had finished telling them everything and filled in the blanks, it's like, okay, let's start at the beginning. Tell, tell us this again. So we go for the story again and again and again. This went on for hours until about 10 o'clock that evening when it becomes very obvious to me that they know that now I'm a suspect. See, this is where I'm like, really, I feel like there was like some naivety on her part here because it's like it took you that long to realize that that they're going to find they're going to think yeah, exactly. you're a subject, uh, you know, a suspect <laughs> subject. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, like, dude, even going in there and like. Going in there, just the shit she did, going into the police station and being like, my conscience is bothering me. You know, I have to, <laughs> I have, a conf I have to tell you something about a murder. My conscience is bothering me. And then, you know, they they, they question her for, you know, when they ask her... When you they do have the right to leave, you know, if they don't really have anything to really tie you to the crime or anything like that, you can say, are you done? I mean, I for the first hour, I would feel like I was just being helpful. But like when you start getting into hour number two and three and four and they're asking you to repeat the same story over and over again. At that point, I'm thinking to myself, OK, these people think I'm a suspect. I would have thought that they would have thought I was a suspect before even going in there. You know, I would have gone in there thinking, yeah. uh, shit, if I find out something, they're going to think I'm a suspect. But then there'd also probably be another part of me that would be like super excited. Like, oh my God, look what I found. Look what I found. Look, like, look how much I helped you. You know, like, look, like, yeah. like I found this body or whatever. So I'm sure that there was that going on too. But it, I don't know, man. I'm just like a little naive here, lady. I, I agree. I mean, the whole thing, why she stayed at there for hours. I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, it's not like she's mentally handicapped like one of the West Memphis three were. I think it was Jesse. 
Jesse Miskelly. So, well, they were trying to get her to 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 fuck up in her story. They were trying to get her to say something different in her story and change her story so they could. I mean, after a while, I'd just be like, "Are are you done? I've said everything. Am I being detained? I didn't do it. Am I being detained? Uh, if not, I'm gonna get a lawyer." And I'll talk to you later. <laughs> well, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, because that would have looked pretty suspicious as well. You know, if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to get a lawyer. And well, that's your legal thing. Right. But, you know, that's, that's your legal right. That's how they look. They, that's how they look at it. You know, what did that that one uh, sheriff's office guy say in the one. Um, I think it was a moon pie face. The one of the sheriff guys, he said, innocent people don't need attorneys. All right, fine. I, I won't. I won't even do that. Then I just. I'll just say I didn't do it. Are you done? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. I leave? guess. <laughs> and if they say I can leave, then I'll just leave. <laughs> uh, according to Detective Ryan, Edda seemed to know too much about the crime not to not be involved. The investigating officers, having no other leads or clues, didn't have any other choice at that time but to presume that she was in fact an accessory either before or after the commission of the crime. Etta volunteered to take two polygraph exams. She passed both. But Etta says the detectives lied to her about the results and booked her as an accessory to murder. That's, That's fucked up, man. That is fucked up. But they can do that shit. They, illegally, they can lie to, to people if they feel like it's gonna, you know, serve their, their ends, you know? If it's gonna get them where they need to be. With uh, a confession or something, they're they're totally allowed to do that. Unfortunately, yeah. So she's quoted again here. I wasn't sure if it was a bluff or what. I was so tired, and I don't think I really cared anymore. I was either going to go home or to jail. I'm not sure I cared. I don't get that either. Like, oh, I'm tired, and I don't really care whether or not I go home or go to jail. It's like well, I just think she. It's you. You get to the point of exhaustion with that shit, you know. Yeah, which again, you know, why not? I guess it doesn't make sense. Why not just leave? But then, obviously, if they booked her on something, maybe she didn't have that option. I don't know. This is this was always kind of a weird aspect of this case. How they kind of it is did that. So Etta Smith was not going home. She was locked up in jail for several days, unaware of dramatic new developments on the outside. Police had arrested two young men for the murder of Melanie Uribe. In the end, Etta was completely absolved. Yeah, she would still still remember those seven days. <laughs> or, you know, five days in jail, that's for sure. You 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 still remember being in there for twelve hours. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Yeah, no, not, Can you imagine if that was several days? Not recommended. Not recommended. So the two confessed killers were sent to prison, and Detective Ryan credits Etta's vision for helping solve the case. I was quite amazed, and I think a lot of other people were too, but I think a lot of them were reluctant to want to admit it. Had it not been for Edda Smith, I don't think this case would have been solved as rapidly as it was, or possibly not at all. Edda has no explanation for her sudden onset of psychic abilities. I sometimes wonder what it was that transpired from this innocent person who was murdered, and how her death somehow reached out and touched me. I think it's one of those mysteries in life that many things happen to us throughout our life that are unexplainable. Since helping to break this case, Etta has assisted several police departments and crime victims using her psychic abilities. Well, it, it's it's very interesting that she had this just sudden onset of psychic abilities. Like I'm really curious to how or why that happened. 
That happens a lot in this show. Uh, any kind of psychic case that we've ever covered, you know, there, there, ha- there are a lot of times. I think on the Ultimate Collection, they even labeled one of them suddenly psychic, and it wasn't this one. It was another one. It was uh, a bunch of things can bring it on, um, but then sometimes it just it does just happen out of nowhere. You'll just get a premonition, you know, whatever, and um, it does tend to typically happen to females more than males too. That's something else that that uh, I huh. think they mentioned on the show. There's a court case with Etta. Yeah, uh, there was a... Oh, she won money. Etta won a court case later. She sued. Oh. And she won uh, $26,000. Oh, damn. Yeah. Good for her. I like that... um... The, that she had the gumption to be like, that's bullshit, that's false imprisonment, or wrongful imprisonment, and, uh, yeah, you're not gonna get away with that. But, it's, I don't know, dude, this is one of those cases that's like the one we talked about last week, Patty Stallings and her son Ryan, it's like, what other choice did they have at the time? She knew too yeah. much. Uh-huh. Not everyone, law enforcement can't just go around believing that somebody's psychic, you know, they they can't just go. Oh, okay, you're psychic. That we're satisfied with that explanation. You're free to go. They, they kind of yeah. had no other choice, you know. So you kind of have to like feel for them in that aspect, you know. Like, yeah. What what else could they have done, you know? So I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, comment section here on the unsolved.com website too. Like somebody's actually trying to be like, I'm not sure about her. This is just all too cookie cutter, these visions. The fact she has solved more cases does not help. The last person to suspect is the one who is helping the case. Says who? When has that... When, <laughs> this this what, anonymous guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> when has that ever been a trope? Like the person that's, uh, you know, uh, the person who's helping the case is the one that's most likely the perpetrator. It's like, what? When When has that been a thing that people have said? The hu- Like the husband or the one that, you know, you're closest to, the spouse or whatever. Yeah, that's usually, you know, that's a thing. But uh, the person helping the case is the most likely the perpetrator. But this is some just conspiracy theory shit. I feel that she, she uh, I had a hard time reading it because I just, it's so unbelievable. Like even my my lips are like what what right what, it's what? it's not because you you're a horrible reader much like myself it's it's because it was so unbelievable that's what it was. Hey, I'm trying to make it work. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and you're doing a good job, Mike. I feel that she might just be way too clever and have had people helping her out. Think about it. All she would need is like a bribe to have someone take the fall. I say that she'd be checking out. They should sh- be checking out banking details at the times of each crime. Keep tabs on her and surveillance. Tell her there is another crime. See how she reacts, and when she does not realize it is fake, that's no visions come. Also, keep certain cases private from her. I like this armchair gumshoe we got over here. <laughs> you know, he's got it figured out, man, or she, or whoever. So yeah, that's. Uh, I liked that case. Uh, it's yeah, it, a good it, one. it was a short one, a short one, but a good one. Um, short but sweet. Short but sweet. Uh, it's on the Ultimate Collection under the Psychics DVDs, which the Psychics DVDs they have some of the coolest like artwork for that one. I don't know, like yeah. that's kind of just a side note. But isn't it funny though when you pop in the disc and it says Incredible Psychics? 
Oh yeah, the, the, the labeling is so inconsistent with all that. Like what shows up on the DVD menus as opposed to what's written on the actual DVDs themselves. It's kind of hilarious. I'd rather it not be Incredible Psychic because Incredible just like thinks it, it makes me think of that show that's incredible or something. You know, look at these Incredible Psychics. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. All right, moving on to our next case. We have the uh, the story of Danyan Brinkley. Danyan? Dan it, no relation to the yogurt. Yeah, I know. I keep thinking Danon, like... Yeah. <laughs> and that in and of itself is a stupid name, because it reminds me of my last name, Cannon, but they just substituted the C for a D. So I have a lot of feelings on this guy's name. That's your, that's your uh, alternate universe, brother. My name's Josh Dannon. My name's Josh Dannon. <laughs> Dannon. Um, so yeah, I'm already going into this case with a lot of baggage against this guy's first name. So it's going to taint the whole my whole review. No, I'm just joking. Um, so <laughs> this 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 is one of those cases. I really like it. Again, great great segment, great case about psychic. It's got um, some laughable things about so, it, though. Some of the... Um, if you were to try to, like, pin Unsolved Mysteries as a cheesy 90s show with really bad special effects, this would definitely be one of the uh, cherry-picked episodes. It's not as bad as the Angels one with Fabio or or how, or a Storm in Hell. But right, it's not as bad still- as some of them, but, but they... They do have some trademark, characteristically bad, uh, and like CGI. I don't even know if CGI would be the right word. I don't think it's computer generated. I think it's like animated almost. Anyway, we'll get to that. So anyway, on September 17, 1975, in Aiken, South Carolina, Daniel Brinkley, who's 25 years old, was on the phone with his best friend, Tom Hall, when a storm passed overhead. A lightning bolt struck Dan and sending at least 183. <laughs> thousand volts of electricity through his body it was a a jolt so powerful it left his shoes welded to the floor damn now and i gotta be honest this reenactment did a really good job showing what happened when he got struck by the bolt of lightning uh because they had an actual stump person like fly backwards and they showed the shoes melted to the floor and then smoke rising up out of them yeah, and just as a little fun fact to chew on, when you get the lethal amount of electricity in the electric chair, if you get sentenced to that in prison, uh, they use 2,000 volts to, to stop the heart and induce unconsciousness. So, Danyan got 180,000 volts. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't get how it didn't fry his blood dry into powder it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> exactly thank thank you sylvester i appreciate that so daniel says <laughs> he oh my god that was awful mike but i loved it uh <laughs> daniel says he suddenly found himself floating above his body while watching first his wife and then his friend tom try to resuscitate him for all intents and purposes, Danyan was clinically dead, but he recalls having a vivid near-death experience. Quoting Danyan here, he says, I start down this tunnel. I see what appears to be a form coming out of this beautiful misty blue. Then all of a sudden, I not only felt everything I'd ever done and saw everything I'd ever done, I became every person that I'd ever encountered. 
this this vision is uh, quite laughable. You could tell they don't have the budget to really pull this off, and they just tried to, you know, do the best they could, and it wasn't really that great. It was it was like they tried the they tried. That's all I could really say. It's like they tried. Yeah, and, and um, I mean they the- had some woman in a white leotard, and. There's like mist everywhere, and it's like they're like she's walking out of some crystal uh, house or something or building or whatever or something like that. It's kind of shiny. It's like so a it's so overexposed that you yes. you can't really make out anything. No, um, but but it kind of reminded me of the the climax of Ghostbusters where Gozer shows up. I'm like, what is this? This is Gozer's sister. What the hell? It looks. It, it very much looks like it could have easily been like a Billy Idol music video, like Eyes Without a Face or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the eyes without, eyes a without a face, and then it's just showing this white, like extremely white being walking out of this foggy, <laughs> probably kind of like church. You can see some pillars. Anyway, it's a bad like kind of night. But then it's like you have to you have to like ask yourself for a show with that kind of budget, like. And they're supposed to be portraying, you know, this this form coming out of this beautiful misty blue. How the fuck else were they supposed to convey that with that with well, yeah. the budget? You know, I mean that. Well, yeah, that would have been it a hard been thing. Worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Anyway, um, you know, he saw everything he ever did. He became every person he ever encountered. So he's having some like really deep, like disassociative yeah. kind of, you know out-of-body experiences to say the least and they start showing all of the people well that, that comes he, that comes a little bit later yeah. on so daniel admits that when he was young he was self-centered and mean-tempered nothing short of a bully the pattern continued during a tour of duty in southeast asia while in his near-death experience Danon was forced to confront those he victimized throughout the years and it's like this if you, I don't know if you've ever, if anyone out there's ever seen that music video in the '80s for uh, that yeah. song "Cry" by Godly and Cream, and it's showing the people or, or, or the Michael Jackson music video, black or white, have the, yeah, yeah, black, and or they're white. doing the face transformations, and it's just like uh-huh. a white background, and like the person's in the middle of the frame, and then it changes to another person. That's like they do like a poor man's version of that here, and they're showing nobody's smiling, yeah, nobody's <laughs> smiling, and you know that's all they're just standing still, and it kind of shows like the people that he would have run into as a kid so their kids as well and then it shows like randomly it shows it looks like it shows like uh uh johnny or whatever his name is from cobra kai at some point the he's got like this headband (laughs) tied around his head and he's like the blonde haired guy and then it starts showing william zabka I don't know, whoever he was. Yeah. The the blonde-haired kid. It it just shows this random white guy with, like, a headband tied around him. I don't know. Billy Zapka, yeah. I don't know if that, maybe that's because he was in in, in a war. But then it shows, like, these Asian people and, like, this old Asian guy wearing, like, one of those, like, rice hats. Supposed to be Vietnamese. Well, sure. Whatever. They're still Asian, I believe. Well, I know, but, I mean, they're just supposed to be, I think that's what they're intended to be. Yeah. It's, like, the Vietnamese that he victimized yeah so it's it's, he was it's a little Vietnam. it's a little silly i mean it's one of those things i think like if you showed it to like 
uh, like if you if I was in like school and they put this show on and then like that part came up, I feel like all the class would have started laughing, <laughs> like, I, like ironically, it, it is kind of it is kind of corny. Yeah, but any, sure. anyway, um, it, it gets kind of gets. Well, but it's one of those things, just like the other sequence we were talking about. Like, how else could they have really shown that? Yeah, um, it's almost as bad as the what the life after light or it wasn't lightning. It was a. Uh, it was the other guy who had a near-death experience where the truck fell on him that he was working on. Oh, yeah. And it shows, like, yeah. that misty, like, void. It's, like, the first near-death experience segment on the show. Yeah, and it just personally. showed, like, all the people standing in the... Yeah, anyway, it's just just bad stuff. Um, Not as bad as the reenactments on a show called, um, what is it, like, Monsters, Myths, and Mysteries or something. It was a show hosted by uh, Patrick or McNee. Oh boy! Wow, that the near-death experience one. I think they also talked about the storm and hell thing on that, and it was just awful. I, worse, than, worse than worse than unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Oh, you got to find that. You got to find that, and you got to <laughs> post that on our group. Oh, which by the way, if you want to join our Facebook group, which is like super awesome, it's the best group you'll ever join in your entire life. It's um, go to Facebook and search "Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries." That's where we post all this stuff that we talk about. So anyway, after seeing all the people that Daniel, Dannon, his name should be Daniel, it's a more normal name, fucking Dannon. Danian. Danian, whatever. <laughs> he's quoted as saying, after confronting all these people in his near-death experience, he's, he was quoted as saying, I felt the pain and the anguish and the anger and the frustration that I had caused these people. And you know, people don't realize that you judge yourself when this happens. You just judge yourself, and that's what I did. Danyan was rushed to the hospital. In the emergency room, his breathing faltered, then stopped. Minutes later, Tom Hall was told Danyan was dead. But when Tom went to see his friend's body, Danyan began in to the, move. In the morgue. Yeah, which, honestly, Tom, man, you got some balls, dude. Like, yeah. your friend's pronounced dead, and, you know, Tom was saying, like, I just couldn't believe. I could not believe that he was dead. I had to see for myself. And, like, this dude, without permission, like, just went into the area where they had his body with the blanket over his face. And, um, you know, he started, the the sheet started to move. And then Dan... And he was so nonchalant about that, too. Like, that would freak me out. I'm sorry. Somebody is pronounced dead. I, I go in and go go to the morgue, which I think you can do, but it's just frowned upon. And... Then the sheet starts moving. Shit, that's shit. That's shit straight out of a horror movie. Like I. Well, apparently, when when you die, there like there a few minutes afterward, you the body does like make noises and do things because it's like expelling any extra like gases yeah. that might be in you and this that and the other. Um, so I would have probably just thought that, but I mean, a breathing motion is kind of unmistakable if it's more than just one exhale you know if there was a or if it's actually moving in a way that's not just because of certain gases expelled right if it's more than an exhale and there's inhaling that's going on too that's like yeah pretty sure that's not a something a dead body can do um so daniel's quoted Dan, yeah he's quoted as saying i all of a sudden went from a spiritual place and world back into this place where i'm in a hospital i'm under this sheet and I'm looking up at it. I can't move. I can't talk. I'm on fire again. 
Miraculously, Daniel Brinkley returned to life nearly 20 minutes after he had been declared dead. After a week in the hospital, Daniel was released. He was hardly able to walk or talk. His eyes were so light sensitive that he had to protect them by wearing welder's glasses at all times. And he makes him look like a superhero. <laughs> he looks like Trent Reznor from the Closer video, the Nine Inch Nails video <laughs> for Closer. Um, or, or, or he's a cyclops. Yeah. So he began to experience vivid images of the future after he got out of the hospital. Quoting him again, he says, I was partially paralyzed for seven months, but the visions and the things that happened in this now what we call near-death experience have stayed with me longer and more coherently than virtually anything that ever happened. Danyan claims that altogether he witnessed 117 future occurrences, including the election of Ronald Reagan, the collapse of the Soviet Union, and the Gulf War in 1991. Jeez, even like mentioning all those things just feels like like forever ago. I feel yeah. I feel ancient like even bringing those things up. Danyan later told his friends about the visions, and they verified that he did indeed predict events before they happened. Danyan believes that his near-death experience marked the birth of his psychic abilities. He admits that in the months just after the accident, he was simply a dazed and bewildered young man who had undergone a dramatic transformation. Quoting Danyan here, I was really confused. I'd never heard of the near-death experience. I literally was driving people nuts because I wanted somebody to tell me either it didn't happen, which I knew it did, or please explain it. Dr. Raymond Moody, one of the country's most prominent authorities on near-death experiences, said that Daniel's account is very consistent with other reports of patients who get resuscitated following cardiac arrest. In an attempt to verify Daniel's psychic abilities, Unsolved Mysteries asked well-known parapsychologist, get ready for it, Dr. William Roll, to conduct a series of tests. God, this guy, man. <laughs> Dr. William Roll was used more on Unsolved Mysteries than anybody else ever. Dr. William Roll was like uh, the, I think his name was uh, Peter Jason. I think that, no, I don't know if that was his name or not, but there was this guy in sightings who was constantly on the show all the time. Peter James, that's who it was. Peter James, constantly on the show. Uh, it just always when they're talking about ghosts, like he was always there. Yeah. So anyway, Dr. William Roll had Danyan give readings for eight people that he had never met before. According to Dr. Roll, Danyan picked out several details about the lives of the individuals that he could ha not have known. Dr. Roll described Danyan as one of the most remarkable uh, psychics that he had ever worked with. Danyan was also asked to consult on a brutal murder case. On August 12, 1993, in Big Fork, Montana, John and Nancy Bosco had been shot to death, execution style, as they slept. The police investigation turned up absolutely no leads. Two months later, John's mother, Tony, met with Danyan. Danyan described the killer as a slight-built young man with black hair who knew John and the layout of the house. Danyan said that the man was in college somewhere in the West, but predicted that he would be arrested in the very early part of December. And that somewhere in the West is actually in Oregon. Oh, okay. And uh, I like how in this reenactment they actually have Danyan and the mother doing the sequence. It's not actors or anything. It gives it more, uh, more of a realistic feel to it. And 
I, I have to admit, like, it, that's, that's really specific. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. So, incredibly, Danyan was correct on all counts. 18-year-old Joseph Shadow Clark was arrested in December and later convicted, just as Danyan predicted. Clark had lived in the murder house. He had known the Boscos, and he was attending college in the West. Danyan had apparently solved the case through the power of his mind. I'm quoting Danyan here. This is new to me, and sometimes it's troublesome, because I pick things up that I don't want to know about. And if someone's intense around me, I I'm perceiving it. And I, I tried to, uh, I'm still trying to figure out ways to turn it off, okay? And at the same time, ways to perfect it. Joseph Shadow Clark was convicted of the murders of John and Nancy Bosco. He is now in Montana, Montana State Prison, <laughs> where he is serving a sentence of 150 years. See, Mike, what happened when I do a country accent? My inner country comes out, and I cannot <laughs> help it. You start singing country music now? Oh, White River. Um, so, yeah, then like later <laughs> that on. That would be like a nightmare for you. Like if there's all of a sudden you just get randomly possessed by some country singer. Dude, if I could sing. And like you know that it's happening. You just can't control your body or anything that you do. I, I actually country singers like their vocals. I find them pleasant to listen to. When it's just like them and an acoustic guitar and they're doing something like an acoustic performance. So no Luke Bryan. Oh, fuck Luke Bryan. <laughs> like, the, I don't know, like guys like Clint Black and, you know, some of those more older, like the more... Don Williams. I don't know who that is. But, like, that's okay, but it's like when they add all that other shit in there and the slide guitar and I don't know, man. Like I, Or the hip-hop country. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on that. I'm doing a, I'm doing a <laughs> wedding here soon and the lady who I'm doing the wedding for, the Georgia whatever line, what the hell is there? Yeah, Florida Georgia line, Mike. Florida Georgia line. Anyway, yeah. the the bride who I'm doing the wedding for, she I, I was talking to her on the phone and she's like, Florida Georgia Line is like my favorite band. I'm a huge fan of them. So if you could Ooh. play them, I'm just like, uh, shove a nail through my eyeball <laughs> right now. God damn it. Or your ear. I just picked the closest thing. Because, <laughs> I mean, unless you hear with your eyes, that would be weird. Somebody hears with their eyes. I just, uh, man, I, I can't. They are just the Florida Georgia Line is just the most fabricated, just <laughs> phony country band. Just... It's an unsolved mystery as to why they're popular. Oh, I know exactly why they're popular. It's they they they're formulaic and they they're a pop band essentially, but they have that more gruffer country vocal and their lyrics uh -huh. tend to be more country oriented. It's bro country. Pretty much, you know, it's 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 shit is what it is. But anyway, going back to <laughs> Danyan, uh, I like the uh the end of this segment. It pretty much ends with him he spends his time at hospices and nursing homes, and he mm -hmm. he it it just shows footage of him actually going and you know hugging these old people and spending time with them, and you know he's he basically he's very heartfelt at the end. He's like you know he's like I've I've had to deal with who I was, and I've had to deal with the people I've hurt, and I have dealt with it. And he's like and and now you know I enjoy spending time with these people, you know, at hospices and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, 
He's like, I don't know if that makes me equal with the universe, but I don't care if it makes me equal with the universe because I have forgiven myself and I have dealt with, you know, who yeah. I was. And I just thought that was pretty powerful. Like the end of that yeah, segment. Yeah, he's become very humble. He's a very humble individual. Yeah, the end of that segment always gives me goosebumps, you know, when he's like, mm -hmm. he, you know, he's working with the old people and, and you know, it's it's just very... It's very real, yeah. you know. It's One of the most uh, interesting and memorable aspects of this segment for me, other than the moment when he gets struck by lightning, is a moment that's not mentioned in this uh, description of the segment. It's when he is describing what he saw, and he was talking about how there was like, what was it, 13 beings or something? It was like, it wasn't your typical near-death experience, where it's very religious... Uh, Christianity uh, orientated. You know, it's not like, oh, I saw it was hell, I was in hell, or whatever, like storm in hell or something. Like, it's very different. Yeah, he, he went to the center, these, which he called it, he said it was a center of learning, and there was these 13 yeah. beings, and they each revealed to him uh, a mirror, and inside the mirror there was, there was images of these things that were going to happen in the future. Yeah, I forgot about that. That actually was like an animated thing and in the mirror they like just super impose yeah. video in there and it was very it was but they showed his actual drawing of it which was really i thought was pretty cool oh that was his was actual, those, okay that was his drawing i, I think it might have been his actual drawing but if not somebody did draw it uh based on his recollections and i i just find that i found that to be very unique compared to a lot of the other ndes where it's very you go to the white light and then you see your loved ones and then this was this was a lot different than that. So, um, yeah, I, I like the segment. It's a good one. It's definitely one of the better psychics. I mean, there are some psychic segments that are like, eh, yeah, not really, yeah. uh, that big on. But but this is this is a good one. Then you, I, I think both of these were good. Then you say the psychic set is one of the more harder to find ones uh, for the uh, yeah DVDs. Uh, well. Miracles is like the next. I think it is the hardest one to find. Is miracles? But <laughs> I love how you pronounce. I'm okay. I love how you pronounce miracles, Mike. Miracles. I'm not the only one. I know. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Bunghole. Um. So I'm going to uh, send you an article right now of something that I wanted to. I wanted to get back to. It's all, something that's always fascinated me, and um, I saw in the Yahoo News. They had a um, kind of a follow-up to it. And so I wanted to touch on this briefly. And, and this is actually the headline reads, Experts think they finally solved the mystery of the disappeared Malaysian airline flight MH370. Oh. And um, so this is the article. They say, Experts are now convinced that they have finally uncovered what happened to the disappeared Malaysian Airlines flight MH370. Now, I don't know if you guys remember that story or not. I think it happened back in, like, I want to say 2014. Um, this, like, airline flight just went missing, and it had all these people on it, and nobody knew for the longest time what the hell happened to it. Very mysterious. Very, um, I don't know. It was, like, almost like, I almost feel like it would be in one of those movies where at some point, you know, they finally reveal that it's all been a big conspiracy and that there are puppet <laughs> masters that control the world. And, you know, the heroes stuck in the in the room with like 
the the people who really run shit and they're like don't you remember hearing about that malaysian flight that just randomly went missing and nobody ever found it who do you think was responsible for that that's right it was us you know so i i don't know i just so it's like the cigarette smoking man in uh the x-files i knew you were going to reference something that i was going to have no idea about and you <laughs> you did not fail in that but anyway, this article goes on to say experts are now convinced they have finally uncovered what happened to disappeared Malaysian Airlines flight MH370. Mystery has surrounded the doomed MH370, which disappeared en route from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing with 239 passengers on board since March 2014. A panel of aviation experts have been working towards an explanation for the vanished Boeing 777 most of which was never found as part of an investigation by Nine News in Australia. Ex-senior investigator with the Transportation Safety Board of Canada, Larry Vance, said, quote, I think the general public can take comfort in the fact that there is a growing consensus on the plane's final moments. Vance and the other experts on the panel all agree on the suspicion that the MH370 captain, Zahari Ahmad Saha, was attempting suicide. They believed he selected a remote and isolated part of the route so the plane would disappear. MH370 captain, quote, deliberately evaded radar during final moments of doomed flight, according to experts. Captain Zahari managed to evade detection by military radar belonging to either Thai or Malaysian forces, according to Boeing 777 pilot Simon Hardy. Quote, as the aircraft went across Thailand and Malaysia, it runs down the border, which is wiggling underneath, meaning it's going in and out of those countries, which is where their jurisdictions are, end quote. He added that if he were hired to make Boeing 777 disappear, he would do the exact same thing. Quote, as far as I'm concerned, it's very accurate flying because... I think it did the job, and we know as a fact that the military did not come and intercept the aircraft, he added. John Dawson, a lawyer who represented the nine families who re whose relatives vanished from MH370 and MH17, agreed that evidence suggested one of the air crewmen was responsible. He said, The evidence is so heavily weighted to involvement by one of the air crew taking this aircraft down. That aircraft was probably depressurized, the people died of asphyxiation. It was premeditated murder. It was highly planned. The bodies have never been found. So. <laughs> this guy, if this is true, this guy is an asshole. And, but I also have to wonder, what was the co-pilot doing? Like Scott T says in the comment section here. <laughs> I like how because, uh, I like how the other person commented. In other words, we don't really know. Yeah, I, this is kind of a shitty update. Yeah, you're right, Hugh. Yeah, I mean it's, it is kind of a <laughs> shitty update. It's like it's like the Amelia Earhart update, where we're still like we still don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, see, this is like this clickbaity bullshit of of news articles now, of of these but internet the, news articles. There was this uh, 25 year old that just got busted for uh, posing as a high school basketball star. That's that's kind of off off topic, but okay. <laughs> but there's are octopuses aliens. All righty, going down the rabbit hole here. <laughs> that's a kind of a grisly thought, though, of um, the aircraft being depressurized and the people dying of asphyxiation. Like I didn't even know for that. Fuck's sake! I didn't even know that. Just was, a whole. I didn't know that that's something that happened when 
uh, cabins got depressurized. I didn't know you could die from asphyxiation. Jesus. Well, just this thought that that might have been what happened. The guy just decided he's going to kill himself and decided to kill all these other people along with him. Like, I I don't know. That does sound like a cover-up <laughs> if they're trying to cover some up. Yeah, that, so that is not... apparently there's this controversial science paper that has argued that octopuses may have arrived on our planet as frozen eggs carried here in comets. Wow. The paper by 33 scientists, with some with reputations as mavericks, ooh, mavericks, is published in the peer-reviewed journal Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology. It suggests that life was seeded here on Earth by life-bearing comets as soon as it became possible for life forms to survive, and that octopuses arrived in similar in a similar way about 270 million years ago. The idea of alien life spreading like seeds through space isn't new. The theory is known as panspermia. That's a very unfortunate name. But uh, offers point to new DNA evidence about octopuses. The first full genome sequence of octopus DNA in 2015 showed that octopuses are totally different from all other animals, and their genome shows a striking level of complexity with 33,000 protein-coding genes identified, more than in humans. The paper says the genome of the octopus shows a staggering level of complexity with 33,000 protein-coding genes, more than is present in Homo sapiens. It is plausible, then, to, su to suggest that they seem to be borrowed from a di far distant future, in terms of terrestrial evolution, or more realistically, from the cosmos at large. One plausible explanation, in our view, is that the new genes are likely new extraterrestrial imports to Earth, most plausibly as an already coherent group of functioning genes within, say, uh, cryopreserved and matrix-protected fertilized octopus eggs. Octopuses inhabit every ocean at almost all depths and, and possess a range of features that call to mind sci-fi aliens. These include prehensile sucker, lined tentacles, highly mobile camera-like eyes, sensitive to polarized light, sophisticated camouflage systems that alter skin color and patterns, jet propulsion, three hearts, and the ability to, to regenerate severed limbs. So it's fit pretty much like one commenter said, it's pretty much 50% science fiction and 50% speculation. <laughs> but it's interesting that maybe octopuses could be aliens. <laughs> I mean, if you look at a lot of the creatures that, uh, if you really look at some of the creatures that live on planet Earth, I mean, even if you look at the creatures that like are outside of your house, you know, in your yard, they really are bizarre and have bizarre properties to them. Well, especially the deep sea creatures, the ones that li live deep, deep in the ocean. Oh, yeah. Those things are really fucked. Like the anglerfish and stuff like that. The clownfish. Mm. They can actually light their bodies up like like neon. And like they have... It's like... That's crazy that some something organic would have properties in their body that yeah. could do that. It almost... It's like, it, it's like the film The Aliens and the film The Abyss, but for real. Yeah, again, I knew you were going to reference something that I wasn't going to know <laughs> anything about. It almost makes the case, though, that, like, you know, that's, I think, why, like, when I hear about stuff like that, and this is why I like this stuff so much, because it, it, it makes magic seem more real, or it makes, like, uh, like the X-Men and stuff like that seem like maybe mm -hmm. 
one day or in, on some distant planet these things are actually happening. Well, with this, also with the psychics, it could be like they're Professor X. Yeah. I, so I, I love hearing about stuff like that and, you know, un, unknown shit and unexplained stuff. I wish we talked about that stuff more on here. Maybe we can start finding articles. There's a lot that. more of that on sightings. I <laughs> Sightings has been the longest running thing on this podcast that we... <laughs> have said that we were going to talk about and Mike has been trying to champion this whole time and it has just never happened for whatever reason. Maybe one day. Well, you know, maybe after the 100th episode we'll 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 do more. Well, of eventually that, we're going to run out of unsolved mysteries, so. Yeah, we are, so. Maybe that we're intentionally kind of saving it cuz we're like, you know, we're eventually going to run out of unsolved mysteries cases to talk about. So. All right, so we've all, almost already kind of talked about the some of the best ones a lot of the best cases so all right guys so i guess that's all the podcast we have for this week uh hope you enjoyed it um consider checking us out on um facebook liking our page joining the group all that kind of stuff uh if you want to check out me and mike's content on youtube separately but oh very equally uh we also are youtubers and we produce uh content that is completely unique to that you can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He is a movie guy. He reviews movies. What was the last movie you talked about? I talked about Laura Croft Tomb Raider, the Angelina Jolie action adventure movie. The one that came uh, out I a while ago? Yeah, in 2001. I, I think that's a fun film. I don't think it's as bad as some of the people say it is. I think it's one of the better video game movies out there. And, uh, so I talked about that, and then I posted another episode of the podcast with my good friend Matt, and we talked about more movie news and stuff like that, and I will be posting more Tomb Raider reviews uh, pretty soon. Sadly, Cradle of Life is, uh, I like to call it Cradle of Strife, because it's so bad it pisses me off, and the new one was just forgettable, generic uh, bullshit, really. I don't understand why some people are saying that's better than the 2001 film. There's no sense of action or adventure in it, uh, except for maybe a little bit near the end, but it's not much. And it, it tries too much to be like Batman Begins. Like, nothing happens for, like, the first hour or so. It's like waiting. It's like Laura Croft is going to learn how to become Laura Croft. I'm like, why do we need to do that? It's a Tomb Raider film. Like, just... Give me that origin shit 20 minutes into the movie and let's just go. Have her raid some tombs, shoot some things, and, and the, you know, let's get on. I never it. even played the games. I remember... Uh, I didn't either. So maybe that's another reason why I'm not, like, so hard on the 2001 film. I remember when the game first came out. I remember I thought I was, like, seven years old or something like that. And I remember, like, looking at it and, like, even back then, like, even though, like, the PlayStation was, like, pretty much the most graphically superior system at that time as far as 3D. I thought I just thought the game looked like shit, like the graphics. <laughs> and I, I thought, man, I, I'd rather play like a 16-bit like Mega Man X or, you know, Zelda yeah. or something where, you know, it's these shiny, really good-looking uh -huh. sprites on my TV rather than this blocky polygonal mess. So I, I never <laughs> fucked with the Tomb Raider games. I hear they're good, though. I don't know. Uh, anyway, you can find... I like action-adventure movies, so that's why I, I saw the first one in the theater, and I really enjoyed it. So, I have a soft spot for the first Lara Croft Tomb Raider film. Uh, but 
The other one's not so Anyway, much. you can find me on YouTube by going to youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, which is also the name of my band. Um, I do all kinds of stuff on my channel. I mainly talk about TV shows, video game reviews. Uh, I do informative videos. I review products. Man, I do everything on there. I do skits. I'm currently... Talk about YouTube drama. Talk about YouTube drama every now and then. I'm trying to not <laughs> like that. That I'm not going to really do that. There are people who make fucking live a living doing that shit. I just can't. I'm just not gonna do that. Like I, I, I can't see myself sacrificing doing videos that I want to do just to do videos that would be get me more views and maybe make more money. I just, I can't. If you're somebody who is invested in these people's lives, you know, all these YouTubers, like you legitimately watch Jake Paul, you legitimately watch Philip DeFranco and all these people. So whenever they fuck up, you're really passionate about it and you have shit to say. I can understand that, but man, 90% of these people are just keeping up with the Joneses as far as, oh, everybody's talking about, you know. Yeah, some of them didn't even do videos about anything like that until this whole nostalgia critic thing happened. Oh, Channel Awesome Born, that, that, that birthed so many drama channels, like that whole incident, yeah. and... I didn't want to be, you know, I I had already had a pretty reputable channel before that, so I did not want to go down that route, but I was passionate about that particular topic. I was too, because I don't do, I, I mean, in a different way, but I don't normally do videos like that about that kind of stuff, but like, I actually do remember watching Channel Awesome, so yeah, I wanted to talk about it. But anyway, the last video I did was basically, um, I talked about like why I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done with buying CDs, except for special circumstances, like if I'm supporting like a smaller band or something like that, like I'll still buy a CD, but like just as far as like mainstream, you know, oh, I want to get, you know, all of Depeche Mode CDs. It's like, ah, man, I just, I just, I just can't justify getting another piece of plastic. And we, in the B-roll footage, we talk more, we go more in depth yeah. on that. For me, I would be like, if I already have a bunch of the other ones, why not? complete the collection that's kind of how i would look at it like you know because it's just feel more like it's incomplete shit. it's just more stuff yeah, but i would feel like it's incomplete yeah i mean you, you you learn to live with it with a few artists you know because there's some artists that have such huge discographies that it's just not feasible like i actually a lot of the artists i like have have had long careers like rem and and rush and uh yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Like, I mean, one of these days I'd like to get all all the Scorpions albums, but you know, that shouldn't be too hard. How many do they have? No, it is. They did a decent amount, but it's not. It's not that difficult compared to some of the. Dude, other Rush has something like thirty two studio albums. I own every single one of them. <laughs> like, proud of it too. Um, you go. I felt. Like, oh, oh, yeah. That reminds me. Um, we are going to be making shirts here yep. probably in the next month at least. Uh, they're going to be professionally done. It's going to be the same logo that pops up on your phone, but it's going to say the whole, it's going to spell it out. It's not just going to be the abbreviation. It's going to say Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. going to have that cool foggy kind of thing to it. Um, going to be black shirts. Um, I, I haven't figured out the details yet as far as all the sizes, but uh, if you would be interested in a shirt, make sure you join the group or you uh, find some way to get a hold of me. Uh, I, I got to set up some kind of storefront or something to where I can sell these things online. I, 
I so it's not available yet, but they're coming down the road. So it's the first merch we've ever made. I mean, our podcast is like almost two years old at this point. We we've yet to come out with any kind of merch. These are going to be really professionally done. They're going to look really good. They should last a long time. So when those are out, I'll definitely let everyone know. But aside from all that, um, as for me and Mike, we bid you adieu. See ya. What's up, everybody? Josh here. Just wanted to let everyone know that my new album, The Nightmare Inside You, is now available on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for any and all support. It means the world to me. I can see why you're you're stopping buying physical CDs, but oh yeah, you know. I read all that stuff, man. But God, like you type so much stuff a lot of times, and I'm just like, man, I just can't I can't respond to this the way I want to without going into this huge like response. And I was like, I, I can't I can't be type, <laughs> typing all it, this. It, shit it's up. okay. It's not it's it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. But no, I, I get what you I got what you were saying though, like about how you know the physical media and it, and it it's it's an extra little point of interest for your personality and blah blah blah. And um, I'm sure this is gonna make it onto the B roll. So for those who don't know, I made a YouTube video where I basically said that I stopped. I'm I'm not buying CDs anymore just because like I finally like woke up to the fact that when I do buy CDs I literally rip them onto iTunes and the CD sits on my shelf and collects dust and I don't even listen to the things on iTunes anymore I listen to it on Spotify because Spotify is a lot more convenient and, yeah. and like 
to me, like the music should be the most important thing, and the the means that it gets to you is not well, as I relevant. With that, I, I agree with I I agree with you on that, but I I just think it's part of what makes you who you are, and it, it's it's kind of makes it what you do more unique. And but I can totally understand your viewpoint. Uh, if you get to the point where you're not even really watching it, like I don't automatically back up all the stuff that I buy. So, um, especially because there's a pain in the ass to back up VHS tapes <laughs> or any of the other media formats. Uh, uh, I don't have like the means to do it. That's as easy as some of the other people. Well, that's why I didn't get into the whole um, like video aspect of physical media when in my in my video that I made because yeah. uh, that's a whole different ball game. Like having physical backups of that stuff is a lot more, I would say, valuable to a certain extent than having just the CD of something because of like a movie, um, you know, there's that visual component to it and it's they're hard. Some of those are harder to come by, I think, than a lot of music is and um like i don't know if if your internet fails or streaming becomes unavailable like your uh, hard drive fails you don't have you know if you haven't backed up everything yeah and it's harder to back up video and shit than it is music um that you know like you were saying it's not impossible but it's a, it's kind of a pain in the ass since the files are usually much bigger than mp or you know whatever wave files or whatever so yeah, that's, but that's you why can't I make the files smaller, but you know that's a whole other process. So you have to rip the video, and then you have to take that video, edit it with some editing software, uh, if you're recording it the way I am, and then the file once you save it to your computer is way too big, so you have to go in and convert it again, so that it's not that big of a file, and the quality isn't really sacrificed too much in terms of the picture quality and audio and whatever because you can't just have like a 6.84 gigabyte file you can't put that on a dvdr <laughs> so dvdrs are only 4.7 gigabytes around there so yeah then you're getting into like blu-ray burning blu-rays and all that and i don't have i don't have anything to do that with and i'd like to sometime in the future but those are not cheap blu-ray burners yeah, and rippers imagine. and players for your computer. Would you think they would get cheaper nowadays? Since you can buy a cheap Blu-ray player, no problem. And you can buy a cheap DVD drive, no problem. For you know, that you could hook up via USB for people who have Macs who want to watch DVDs on their laptop, or people who have uh, the bare bones HP laptop like I had originally that doesn't have a disk drive. <laughs> That's such a ripoff, like how the the Macs, like they, I don't know, man. Like I got so much, I got slagged so hard on my Apple video for complaining. Well, about those people are just being, they don't use it, so they don't understand why that would be an inconvenience. Right. They're like, well, I don't use CDs or DVDs or whatever. That's old. Everything's digital. Everything's all streaming now it's like oh cool i didn't know you were everybody i didn't know <laughs> yeah. i didn't know you spoke for the world um and, and there's and a reason why a lot of uh windows uh laptops and through other companies still have disk drives is because 
People actually want to be able to burn things onto a disc or to watch a DVD or play a CD-ROM game or something like that. I will say, though, like, as far as the this the optical drives, uh, at this point, it's more for, like... It's more of like a legacy service. It's more for playing that old stuff. You know, if you still do have old outdated stuff, it's for that. It's almost like a courtesy now if a company includes an optical drive or it's something that if you have your PC custom built, which I had mine custom built, it's something yeah. you can add mine, on. Mine is custom built. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it totally makes sense that they would remove it for the average consumer like a laptop at Best Buy or something wouldn't have it. That makes sense to me. Well, but, some of them do. The yeah. laptops at Best Buy. Yeah, I'm sure some but, of them yeah. still do. But like, I think, I think in the future though, there in the next few years, it's definitely going to be eliminated as it becomes less and less necessary and relevant. I, I don't. I don't think. I would say it's going to take longer than that. Like you, you'd be surprised. I mean, you would be surprised because for many years like they still were making vhs even though it was not really that as popular as dvd and they stopped making it in like the early 2000s so yeah well i was surprised that uh stephanie the girl who's in my band i was surprised her damn car didn't come with a cd player like they're they're phasing those out of new cars like they don't even have cd players that was a surprise that's that's pretty lame (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, and she wanted it one, you know, she wants to be able to play CDs from time to time. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm trying to hawk my CDs for my band. And, and, and like I said in my video, like under s- special circumstances, I am still totally going to buy certain CDs. Uh, like if it is a local band or a band that's not huge and you're literally supporting them by buying their CD. Yeah, I'll still do that. But you know, a CD that sold three or four million copies, you know, and... and well, that's understandable. Like, that's totally understandable. I just you I know, just know I'm not going to... Li- I'm, I'm just not going to listen to it. It's going to accumulate, and, and then pretty soon my CD shelf, I'm going to run out of space on that. It's, <laughs> it's almost full already, and then Welcome I'll Welcome have... to the party, pal. Yeah. Like, that's not... <laughs> Dude, I had to, like, recently... I recently invested in, like, a... I think it's, like, a, a 600 CD shelf or something... And, like, uh-huh. after putting all my CDs and shit in there, dude, it's almost fucking full. And it was, like, brand <laughs> new, and it's almost full. And I'm like, god damn, dude. I, if I buy, like, 10 or 15 more CDs, that bitch will be filled up. And it's like, I can't <laughs> believe I've already gotten to this point. But, you know, that's that's kind of how it is with when you collect things, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, that's... With a lot of the VHS I have, a lot of them are not on DVD or streaming, or they are out of print so they might be on dvd but it's a little more expensive to get the dvd than versus than the vhs and i like i like uh, different things about vhs like cover art and stuff like that so have you a lot of cover art nowadays on dvds and blu-rays is total garbage just lazy photoshopped shit yeah other than stuff from uh niche uh, production companies who release uh, genre titles like Scream Factory and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's how it is with video game box art too. A lot of times, like these, like artisan companies are still out there who who you know do the individual boxes and they do all the 
kind of old school feelies and, and instruction books and stuff, how they used to do it, you know, because now you don't get any of that shit when you buy a video game. You just get the disc and the case, and that's pretty much it. Have you had yeah. to have you had to move with this shit yet? Like all your collection? Have, <laughs> have you ever had no, to? No, not yet. Okay. But if I do, I know it's going to be a pain in the ass, but it is what it is. Okay, that's <laughs> that's when uh, the whole moving thing, dude, that's when you, it really sinks in that, wow, I have so much shit and just the amount of boxes that are just going to be your collection I packed all my stuff up my collection up when i moved from okc to uh vancouver but i didn't bring it with me so i know precisely how much it was when i did all the boxes and stuff like that yeah and it's one of those things where it is what it is i mean uh my plan is whenever I get to ready to move, I will already have a lot of money saved up. I'll have things secure enough that I can get a nice place that has plenty of space. And my plan is just to have a, a whole room just dedicated to my collection. Yeah, that's what I have in my house for my games and stuff. And it's awesome, and I love it. And if I knew 100% with 100% certainty that I was going to stay at this exact house for the next 10 years, do you better believe I would like invest more in, in all that yeah. stuff, that collection and uh -huh. displaying shit. But you know, I don't know how long I'm going to stay here and I, I'm eventually going to have to move and it's going to be this ridiculous uh, process. Yeah. But you can look at it like this. You can invest in the stuff now. So then you don't have to end up investing in it later. And maybe you might not have the ability to invest in that stuff in the future. Yeah, I've thought about that before, and that's why that's why I really tried to get a lot of the games that I wanted off my hit list, yeah. you know. That's what I'm trying to do with my wish list and stuff like that, and there are certain titles that I'm, I'm going to start watching more movies, and once I watch them, and if I'm not into it, I'll be like, get out of here. Like, I, I don't, I mean, even if it's not on DVD, if I, if it's not, it's, it's a, if it's not a, Highly sought after title, I could really care less. So it's one of those things where I will eventually pare my collection down. It just comes to actually watching it. And I've already gotten rid of a lot of stuff. But a lot of it's just doubles or stuff that I didn't want to begin with that I just got handed down to me that I eventually went through and was like, I'm not going to watch these old westerns. So, yeah. And I saw White Through the Shrubbery. And I could clearly see what the white was. I could not see clearly see what the white was. Can we just start over with that one? For some reason, I was just like, Boo. "All right, hold on." First edit of the fucking podcast, but I know it won't be the last because Mike is fucking up, and it's making me very upset. Oh, sorry. At first, it kind of sounded like you were doing a rendition of the HBO theme that used to play before movies started. In the 80s and 90s. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> nope, that was a completely original work, believe it or not. So yeah, go ahead and start that from the beginning there, Junior. So uh, this is Etta quoted here. Yeah, Peter James and, and was uh, the... Uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is William Roll is still alive. He was old on Unsolved Mysteries. That motherfucker's still alive. He is 85 years old. Oh, wait. Peter James? Oh, wait, no. Uh, he, he's not. No. I, I, no, he's not. I'm not talking about Peter James. I'm talking about William Roll. And I was wrong. Well, I know. I was wrong on that, too. He died in 2012. 
All right, yeah, that's, Peter James passed away too. That's an in edit. That's an edit right there, son. Peter James, al- James also passed away in 2007. All right, good for so good for Peter neither James. One I have, neither one of them. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> oh, you'll like him when you get to watch the segments on sightings with Peter James. All right, so William Roll had Dan and. Danian give readings. <laughs> Fucking hate this guy's name. <laughs> Daniel? Danan. I keep wanting to call him Danan. Danian such or a Daniel. weird name. Yeah, and just FYI, um, they use 2,000 volts in, uh, in the electric chair as, uh, you know, when they uh, in jail as like a lethal uh, amount to kill somebody. So... Danian had apparently is it Danian or Danan? It's Danian. Yes, yeah, it's Danian. Okay. Remember? Let me do. Let me do one more. Let me do one more edit there. Okay. <laughs> 